All right, guys, super quick before we start. Thanks again to the repeat listeners and welcome to any new listeners. This is a Cool Cats Corner and NBL podcast, episode six. Very excited to be back at you guys again. And just before we kick off today, we're going to run you through what we're going to be talking about. So firstly, we open up with the reviews of the two games over the weekend. We preview our game this weekend against Cairns Taipans. And then I run you guys through a bit of an overview of the Next Stars program. So some exciting stuff in the pod. But really quickly before we kick off, the news broke that Andre Lamanis has been sacked as the head coach of Australia and is going to be replaced by Brett Brown, which is, you know, a lot of people have some different views on it. People think Lamanis was shafted and people think Brett Brown's a step up, but I just want to say thank you very much to Andre Lamanis for his time spent as the Australian Boomers head coach. And I look I look forward to Brett Brown's tenure as well. However, I just wanted to yeah quickly touch on Andre Lamanis and just say that his most recent campaign at the World Cup was just fantastic. It really was a perfect build up for this NBL twenty season and it was one of the inspiring factors behind this pod as well. So big shout out to him and uh, let's kick into the pod. Hello, Wildcats. All right, Wildcats, so NBL round seven is all done. And it began on Friday night with Trevor Gleeson leading his Perth Wildcats to face Joey Wright in the uh, city of churches in Adelaide. And that's not because of the amount of churches in Adelaide, as I found out. It's because of the amount of religions that were actually in Adelaide. It was referred to as the city of churches. Regardless, that was just through my research. So probably two of the loudest coaches in the NBL were courtside, so Gleason and Joey Wright himself. You could constantly hear both of them over the broadcast, shouting at the refs and shouting instructions. It was great to watch, however, as we got to see some of the great guard work in Cotton and Randall. Cotton being a, a one-time MVP and Randall leading the league twice in points, so we got to see a, an offensive masterclass there. We saw some amazing low-post moves with Dario Hunt and Daniel Johnson as well. Saw a lot of tough defense and high intensity all night, which was awesome to see. The Cats and Gleason know that teams come out to play against them. So every game, Gleason's men come out to try and kill the opposition early. And they're so used to being the hunted that they need to match the other team's intensity very early on. As, as like I said, most teams will come out at them. So the tone was set when we had a 31.3 quarter, which ended us resulting in a win, 99 to 95. After trailing the majority of the first half this third quarter, where we scored 31 points and outscored them, obviously resulted in us going away with the win. Some of my reviews from the game themselves, I uh, want to give a big shout out to Daniel Johnson. So he was one of my guys to watch. Born in Carnarvon, WA himself. He is 31 years of age, almost seven foot tall, almost 110 kilos. He has been either in the NBL first or second team since 2013. Three years in the first team, three years in the second team, most notably in the second team in 2019, first team 2018. He should be their man to go to late in games. He's a great, great shooter. He had 23 points, 13 rebounds on 72.7 percent shooting including two threes on the night Jerome Randall had 23 points and six assists on 35.7% shooting, which just isn't up to scratch for him. You can hear that people say that the offense has to be run through this guy. Look, maybe. And look, maybe he has to take a lot of shots and has to be aggressive. But at the same time, is it really working? Because we're seeing what's happening to Adelaide. And I wonder if going to some other players later on in the game might actually help them. Because Jerome seems to be a bit of a detriment to the team with all that disgusting shooting late. So I understand he needs to be aggressive, but there's just shots that hurt the team. But but maybe it's time to look for DJ late in the game and, and avoid Randall's ill-advised quick threes and watch him inevitably shoot the sixes out of the game so that's just my little thought on that one 
As also mentioned in the previous pod and predicted, Dario Hunt absolutely abused Harry Frawling, as expected. He put him on a poster late in the second half. Look, so Dario isn't the quickest dude in the world. He's quick, but he's not the quickest. And you can see he used to be insanely athletic. Nonetheless, he still managed to get up and put the big Australian Frawling on a poster in the in the second quarter there. He had 19 points, 8 rebounds on 64.3% shooting, really influencing the matchup early on as he's done throughout his short time in the NBL thus far. So we see him build on this every game. And the reason we see Dario Hunt come out so aggressive early is because that's obviously clear instruction which has been given to him by Trevor Gleason and the Cats. Dario needs to be active early for, to help us win because that releases Bryce at the arc and everyone's setting up for Bryce at the arc very early. So if we can disturb their game plan, the defensive game plan early, which Gleason realizes by going to Hunt and making him put in his work earlier on while he has a bit more energy, then he realizes that we can open up some space for Bryce and Bryce can start knocking down those threes and we get those uh, off-screen threes at the top of the key, which is great. My other observations from the game is the Cats covered negative 2.5 line, which I called in uh, in the last pot as well, so good on me. I also like Jack McVeigh. Um, even though he shot it poorly, he can be an X factor for this 36 team because he's a bit of a nightmare to match up with. So you see his confidence, and if you don't see it, you hear it because he, he likes to make a lot of noise out there every time he steps on the court. Only the five points and five rebounds, but there was a hell of a lot of activity that came with it, probably the loudest five points you'll ever see. 203 centimeters, 95 kilograms. He can probably put on a little bit more muscle to contest some of the stronger players inside. However, his current athletic build allows him to stretch the floor and he gets he just gets after everything. He reminds me of like a hyperactive child that I taught momentarily in year one. Uh, as soon as you introduce them to a new activity, they're evidently excited and wanting to be involved and their head's flicking around back over their head, back and forth. And um, actually, to be fair, he looks a bit like a young Bruce Wayne from the Netflix series Gotham as well, like with a grown man's body on him. So it's a bit odd looking at that. I had to like glance twice at him as well. It's uh, He's an exciting player to watch, definitely for sure. So yeah, once I moved past that, I quite enjoyed his game and he's going to be Really fun to watch. And he has come at 23 years old. He'll start to see a larger role in the 36s, I hope. So we play the Adelaide 36s again at home December 1st. That's a Sunday in round nine. They come over to the jungle where they did pinch a W from us last season, 88-89. So it's going to be a tough one. We're looking forward to them coming over. But I will touch on that game in a couple of weeks' time when we have it. Let's look into our review of the Wildcats and Breakers game from the Sunday. Same weekend. Double head. So the second game of our doubleheader came against the New Zealand Breakers in which we swept the weekend 2-0 because we beat the Breakers 88-77. So one of my players to watch for this one was Glenn Rice Jr. Unfortunately for Glenn Rice Jr. in his NBL career, it appears to maybe come to a very quick end with him being pulled out of the Cats matchup for an altercation at a bar in New Zealand previously it's been reported recently being stood down by the breakers indefinitely as well so they've been having a bit of a rough run lately the breakers but we'll touch on that in this as well so the cats swept the weekend as i previously said in in front of the 12,695 perth fans who showed up to see the cats and rj hampton not unusual numbers in Perth by any means. It's where we're around that mark often. We cleaned the boards against New Zealand, which was good. It was a good change against Adelaide. So we had 42 to 34, which is huge in the NBL because second chance points and rebound differentials really shape matchups, especially in the inner league where 10 minute quarters, you need to be able to put those buckets back when you get the chance. My next observation was Bryce Cotton's 34 points. Like, okay, Bryce, you're the best, not only in the West, but the entire league. And you're one of the quietest killers I've ever seen on the court. No noise, no emotion, just 34 points. Like, think about the fact that Bryce is for 40 minutes instead of 48 minutes in the NBA. Think that teams would pretty much plan 
almost solely for Bryce himself. And he always draws the best defenders, always draws the doubles, always asks to make shots, yet he puts up these types of points every single week. So, like I said, this guy is the guy who is the offense of Perth a lot of the time. Team set up for him, yet he still seems to find a way to get it. And whether that be through Gleason making Darryl Hunt the focal point of the offense very early on, or whether it be off Bryce's own game, they do a really good job in matching that up and finding the synergy there, so it's really good. Look... The Jesse Wagstaff game, potentially this one. He had 14 points in 16 minutes. He was very productive. He picked up the slack for Clint Steindl's six on Sunday. So Steindl didn't do much apart from try and post to every single person on the New Zealand Breakers team roster, which I didn't honestly believe he had it in him until I saw him just powered it through the lane, coming from the left of the hoop, going right-hand stuff, but couldn't get it to stick. That would have been all time. On Friday night, Jesse himself shot 100% on his shot. So he had 23 points for the entire weekend, which was very productive. Shot 100% on the Friday night and Sunday, he was used more frequently, but he managed to squeeze his way to the rim as well as knock down the three ball. Jesse's going to be a valuable piece for the Cats as he's been in previous years, still showing that he has it at the moment. Something that long-term Cats have managed to do and remain productive by doing the team things such as Jesse and Damian Martin who epitomize these, these characteristics. So the Cats improved to an 8-3 and three record. So it's the same record we had at this time last season, which we finished top. So don't expect that exactly this season. It's very exciting. We're in a really good position to make a playoff push, which is great. And the basketball is, is fantastic. And we got a, a little subplot here in, in Bryce making an MVP-esque run. So keep an eye out for that and make sure, make sure we, uh, we're talking about that as well. Another little subplot, which I've noticed is for any of us who are on Reese Vague Minute Watch, I know there's lots of us out there. He has played more than 10 minutes in four of the NBL games in NBA or 20 so far this season and less than five minutes in five. He isn't getting the production. He isn't shooting the ball amazingly well. We're going to need more from him. Dario Hunt is maybe keeping him out from some minutes, but it's not like he's having a ton of minutes anyway. I just don't think that we have the depth of this position that we can have guys like Reese Vague playing under five minutes. So we really need him to step it up in training or whatever he has to do to get himself more minutes. We need to see him because he can stretch the floor with his three ball as well, which is something that Dario may not be able to do. And another thing from this game itself, which is of note, is Tariko White's injury. So apparently he needed the ankle restrap, but by the time in the game that he had suffered the small injury, which was really awkward when you watch it, it was in the key, he was turning, he was trying to find a man to D up and he just got his ankle caught and it's really awkward. However, it didn't look too bad. But by the time that the trainer had gone to restrap it, it had already seized up, so they couldn't get him back out there. So this may have come at an okay time for the Cats and Tariko, as we only play one game each of the next two weekends. So we're going to have just the one game weekends, which are good. This next game is away to Cairns. He may be rested for this, but hopefully not, because we wouldn't see him play, but it's not so bad if he does get rested for this one. We don't have another game until the single game the week after against the 36ers, as I've already mentioned previously. So keep an eye out for Tariko. Hopefully he can get up for this weekend, and don't be surprised if he he doesn't travel with the team. That's what, that, that's my kind of thoughts on this one. The next star, Mr. RJ Hampton. Four points on 20% shooting. Yep, it looks that bad. But his five assists led the team and he had no turnovers. So you look a bit further down the box score there and you do find some interesting gems. This is not a bad game considering he had one of the most ruthless guards defending him and Damian Martin harassing him for large portions of the game. I do think that RJ brings an energy he is a five-star recruit, as previously mentioned. He brings an energy to the game, which it's very rare to see in the NBL. It's an explosiveness, which is really rare to see in the NBL. And it's 
just a benefit of this Next Stars program, bringing this type of character over to the NBL to play on our hardwoods and we get to get a bit of a, a pre, pre-sneak at them before they make their way to the NBA. However, with the breakers themselves, I do think that you have to pay your guy Tom Abercrombie a bit more props. Look, he needs the ball on most possessions for this team. They got a space better with Webster as he can catch fire. However, they shouldn't have him shooting the amount of threes, I guess the quantity of threes he's shooting. He is an absolute star and I don't want Corey Webster shooting less because really he is a guy that can really shoot the ball. Not like Randall for myself who, who really can shoot out of games. I do think Webster can carry you for long portions of the game. However, Tom Abercrombie needs to be the guy who gets the ball. He doesn't seem like the type exactly to demand the ball, but his teammates need to do a better job in realizing he's on the court and using him not only that but another big that i liked for new zealand in this game was brandon ashley must keep himself out of foul trouble he might be one of the best players in this league with his size and skill set however he's fouled out on 16.7 boards when the game was kind of there to be won later on in the game he averages catch this 4.1 personal fouls per game so like let that sink in in a league which allows five personal fouls, this guy averages 4.1 per game, so essentially gets himself kicked out most games for poor fouls. This just happened against Perth again. It's happened all year. Kevin Braswell, coach of the New Zealand Breakers, has to do a much better job coaching this guy. He could be a very handy player in the crunch with his ability to get inside, defend with length, shoot the ball from three. Yet, like you are no help off the court, Brandon. And Braswell's got to do a better job at realizing that. He's got to keep this man out of foul trouble. On the breakers as well, while, while we're here, might continue to dish because it's been a bit of a rough week. So big shout out to Tom Vodanovic of the New Zealand Breakers, who on Monday arriving home from Perth was completely plastered and had the Blue Brigade waiting for his drunk ass to step off the plane as apparently got on a few alcoholic beverages and was a disturbance to the plane. You know, great job there, New Zealand. And finally, one final shout out to New Zealand Breakers owner as part of this conglomerate. One of the owners is Matt Welsh, who was suspended two games and fined $5,000 for a heated altercation with Jeremy Lowlidger last week at the Breakers v Phoenix game in round six. You could see them clearly having a heated dispute on the sideline. There's video out there as well. So he's been fined for that. He's received a two-game suspension. So all things going well in New Zealand between Glenn Rice, your boy Tom Odanovich, and the guy leading the charge, Matt Walsh. Good to see the discipline coming from the top. And But thanks for coming to Perth and thanks for coming to compete because it, it was a good game to watch and it was good to see you guys for the second time this season. We've luckily got the win over them twice this season. But what we're going to do now is we're going to roll this one into a bit of a preview of our upcoming matchup on this weekend against the team that's already beat us this season, the Snakes. All right, so we're going to preview this week's matchup against the Cairns Taipans over there in the East Saturday the 23rd of the 11th, 5 p.m. Australian Western Standard Times, 8 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Times. So sports bet is giving Cairns $2.50 odds at home, whereas the Wildcats will be paying $1.50 with the Cats being 4.5 favorites. So obviously a lot rests on whether Tariko White plays or not. And considering I'm recording this portion of the pod a day later than recording the reviews that I previously did, I can confirm that there's been reports in and you no longer need to worry as Tariko's scans came back with only my old bruising and no ligament damage so that's really great anyway i have to take uh, take the cats in this one that being said the snakes are crafty and they are tough and they're experienced so at $2.50 it's not awful value but not also not the greatest well it, it's not bad considering they matched up so well against the cats at home at our own home last time we met but that being said in that matchup they shot 25 percent better than us so they shot 57 percent to our 32 percent which resulted in the 23 point pantsing they put on us and it can't happen in basketball and you expect a win not on our behalf so look we can't let that happen next time so will the cats be able to turn this around look i'm very curious about to see how all this matches up 
Cans themselves are coming off a win against Brisbane by nine points, in which Kuat Noe, 22-year-old Sudanese-Australian player, had 20 points, 10 rebounds. That was a big double-double there. It had a couple of assists as well, so potential breakout game, but I'll speak about him more momentarily. There were five other players for Cairns in this nine-point win over Brisbane that scored in double digits. So DJ Newbill had 14, Scott Mercado had 12, Cam Oliver had 13, Nature Y 14, and Majok Deng 13. All the guards for the Bullets itself I found interesting had double-digit scoring in the L. So Sobi had 20, Patterson 17, Jason Kadee had 13. So potential a weakness there in defending the guards for Cairns. So let's see how our guards go against them. Cairns themselves were out-rebounded by the Bullets, which was interesting to see, but the Snakes did a really good job looking after the ball with only seven turnovers and they did a great job locking down on defense winning the defensive differential so something i like to call the difference in the accumulation of steals and blocks for each team so the defensive differential was plus nine for can so eight steals four blocks versus two steals one block for the bullets there so that's a really good win on can's behalf they're coming off a good game against the bullets but the cats are not the bullets so they'll have to deal with a whole different puzzle when, when they come against us this weekend the cats themselves we're coming off a clean sweep on the past weekend which we've already covered on this podcast thus far let's look at the players to watch for cans and then we'll jump into the cat so we'll get we'll get the boring stuff out of the way early so my first player to watch for cans is kuat noi and i'm interested to see how tall the 22 year old really is because he lists at six foot seven but i'm interested to see when that was taken because he looks really tall and lanky out there um and at 93 kilos as well it's probably probably needs maybe updating but he had a breakout game shooting against the brisbane bullets and he's really finding his range and he got after the boards demonstrating his willingness to get after it during the matchup which is really great he had an incredible five from nine from three ball out young man he can shoot and stretch the court but i do worry about him a little bit offensively when it comes to inside at 22 he needs to develop more upper body strength because he's just getting bullied inside too easily if he can strengthen up throughout the season he has a chance to be a special player in the nbl i believe especially considering his ability to shoot the ball because five from nine from three is uh in a professional game of basketball is something you don't forget with emphasis on the analytical three as well the six foot seven shooter is one to watch in this one as well as the rest of the season as i previously mentioned he had 30 points against the Wildcats earlier this year on not amazing shooting so if he gets going this could uh, spell back-to-back L's for the Cats against the, the Taipans. So my second guy to watch is Cam Oliver. This guy is in my three to watch for what I had to witness at the jungle when we played them earlier this season. Good lord this dude is a bad man. He had 22 points on 81% shooting against us last time out. Nine boards, two blocks and one really mean mug to the Perth fans in the final quarter when he iced the game on any chance the Cats had of coming back. So he's averaging for the season 17.2 points on 50 shooting, including 7.2 rebounds and 1.3 assists on the year. The American import is six foot eight and 103 kilos of muscle, and he's, he's no easy matchup for anyone in the NBL. He has the physique of an NBA player. He is top five in the NBL for blocks at the moment, averaging 1.33 a game. I'm interested to know where he finishes the NBL season in this category. I honestly do believe this guy could be a, like a deep, deep bench player in the NBA, but that's just one man's opinion. And I say that because he's a ball warrior and he knows how to bang it down low and he has a really nice stroke and the emotion he leaves on the court is a guy you want to play with. So keep an eye on Cam Oliver over this weekend we may not have the ideal matchup for him as as previously shown in the first matchup with these guys my third guy to watch for the Taipans is Scott Mercado so I already mentioned this guy in the pod earlier he played a game for the Lakers in 2019 in which I was watching a highlight today he found the new cult hero for the Lakers Alex Caruso so in his very early days he found him with an alley-oop in, in in the game which was a really good play to see and you could actually see how good Scott's court vision was finding Alex there anyway I digress he is and will be the assist leader come the NBL 20 season Season, averaging 7.67 assists a game. He asks the next best assist getter by over 1.5 assists a game. 
He's a playmaker. He's a shot creator for others. And Scott's ability to see passes have been refreshing touch for the NBL. It is evident by some of the passes he makes, leading players to their spots, that his basketball IQ is just on a different level than the majority of the rest of the league. He could easily have 10 plus assists this season, but the type ends do miss a lot of open shots where he does find them. So Mikado is six in the league in steals, joined in the top six by fellow Taipan DJ Newbill, another guy who's who was a guy to watch in the first time we played against them. They're going to be able to and looking to strip the ball against the Cats, but uh, good luck against Bryce because watch all the film you need to try and put up a defensive game plan against him. I don't think you're going to be able to take the ball from him, but if you do respect, regardless, I'm going to just jump onto our Wildcats now. So our Wildcats, as previously mentioned, coming off that big clean sweep this weekend, which was awesome to see. Really, really refreshing to sweep the weekend after splitting the two previous to that. So my first guy to watch is again, I mentioned this guy a fair bit on the pod, but I do enjoy bringing him up because I do like his style of play, and that's Mitch Norton. After the initial matchup against the Taipans, Norton was seen out on the court after all the other players had gone into the locker room working on his jump shot. In the initial meeting with the Snakes, he shot two points on one of six shooting, all of three from the three in his game. Norton has shot above 40% average five times in the Cats' 10 games this season, but he's also shot less than 25% four times. So that's pretty rubbish. However, he isn't a high usage player in that regard. In this game, he may be, however, seeing as though Bullets guards Sobi Kadee Patterson did to the Taipans in the previous game. So he may see a little bit more of the scoring production. We may be able to rely on Norton during during portions of the game where Bryce is on the bench or he's, he's being blanketed by the defense. Anyway, Mitch has only scored double digits in two games this season. However, I believe he's going to have his third this weekend. I expect him to go 50% from three, including two open threes with the defense collapsing on Bryce. His best three-point shooting his career was 40%. So that was back in the 2014 season for now defunct Townsville Crocs. But generally, he's a, a low 30% three-point shooter. So something to watch out for there. My next guy to watch is also another guy who gets a, a couple of mentions on the pod. That's Big Reese Fague. As a 206 centimeter, 104 kilo player who can score from the arc, I'm pretty amazed to see how little Reese has been used this year. I mean, we're winning, but it's a long season. We need his minutes to be used. So I mentioned it in the last pod for the masses out there and Reese Fague's minutes watch. I'm going to show this man some more love. I saw him out there flaunting the Sunset City jersey, which we'll be wearing in our next two games. So everyone keep an eye out for that. They're pretty, pretty cool jerseys. There's going to be a lot of cool alternative NBL kits coming out in the coming weekends. I might rank them in a later pod for you guys, maybe next week. Anyway, back to Vague Minute Watch. It is important to note that against the Taipans earlier this season, Vague played 13 minutes 47 seconds, which was actually his second largest amount of time spent on the court in NBL 20 this season. The fact he played could have been due to Gleason not finding productivity he needed from the other players and having to go to his back pocket, or it could have been due to the Taipans not matching up well with Biggs. Either way, I'm interested to see what they do with Vague's minutes in this one. If he gets more than 10 minutes, that bodes well for Reese and the Cats as we need his depth and he needs the confidence. I'll be reporting back in on Reese's minutes watch next pod. Also, another reason why he actually could be missing out is now I think about it is Dario Hunt appears to have his fouls under control, which was, you know, helping Reese out earlier in the season because that was key keeping Dari out of games. My third guy to watch is Nick Kay, and uh, how can you not watch him? Nick Kay would need to be at his defensive best, which is lucky because he is uh, at his defensive best almost every time he steps on the hardwood. Maybe Damo Martin paying off on him, which is hardly shocking. You clearly see how those uh, the effort plays those two guys put in affects his teams and affects the players around them. Either way, they're going to have to be used heavily, and these these effort players are going to have to be used on guys like Cam Oliver, Kuat Noy, and Nate Jawai because he's going to have to kind of stretch himself and play and, and cover those positions. He's going to have to match up against 
players spanning different sizes with different skill sets all night. He needs to switch more more than anyone in this one, but that's that's pretty lucky for us as he's so smart off the screen as well. So watch him go straight up on any shot contest. He plays it perfectly. I do feel like that if we do get a very athletic dunker in this league, however, Nick has a real chance to be dunked on, but because his bravery to stand straight under the ring is, is a reason that we do actually love him. But actually on that point, I feel like there's too many players nowadays that, that always pull out of those posted dunk contests out of the fear of embarrassment. But like, just watch the Nick K tape because that guy goes straight up every single time. You're paid to play the entire game of basketball, so just damn contest shots. Looks so that's a mild tangent. Anyway, the 27-year-old Nick K is coming off the back of a four-point performance in New Zealand. Again, this, but that's not too worrying for myself because like the dude, he's a stat sheet stuffer, averaging 14.6.3 rebounds, three assists, 1.2 steals, and 0.6 of a block this season. And he shoots the three ball really well this season at 44%, which is slightly up from his last season average. His minutes are interestingly down, two minutes this season from last season. And this has reflected a slight drop in his productivity, but it's still pretty similar to last year's performance when you kind of look at the numbers and considering he's still one of the best in the league that being said he does have those two games this season with four points which i didn't exactly expect at the start of the season however he's such a fundamentals guy that and a team player that his points total isn't the be all and end all with him he is hoping that he does get back down in the low block in this game and he can knock down some of his signature hooks i'm expecting 15 plus points from nick on hopefully 55 plus percent shooting and i'm also expecting a double double he only has the one on the season so far however they're so good at rebounding that nick's gonna have to actually be cleaning the boards in this one so I do think he's in it after it. I'd be on Nick K double-double watch in this one. But I do think the Cats win this. I'm very excited to see how this one plays out. Anyway, we're going to roll this into a into a little bit of a chat about the, the next Stars program. So enjoy that. Strap in and let's go Cats. All right, Cool Cats, thanks for hanging around this long into the podcast. So for this final segment today, what I'm going to be talking to you guys about is the Next Star program, which has been introduced into the NBL. First things first, so what is what is this Next Star program? So the program itself was introduced to the NBL at the beginning of the 2018-2019 season. And it has already helped reshape the NBL into a potential talent factory with global recognition. The program itself was introduced by now NBL Commissioner Joel Loliger. And look, so in the news recently, you would have been hearing a little bit about a guy called James Wiseman. And you may have seen Corey Homicide Williams post on Twitter about James Wiseman trying to recruit him over to the NBL. And the way he's doing this is by using this Next Star program. So James himself, like a lot of other American high school athletes, have become ineligible to play in college due to a number of different reasons. James's reason was a booster who was a former NBA player, Penny Hardaway, helped relocate James and his family. It was seen as swaying his decision as to which college he would go to, which is not allowed in over in the States. So this has resulted in him being ineligible and not being able to play in college this season. It is important to note before we kind of kick in any further that the NBL pays for the Next Star program and the Next Stars, not the NBL teams themselves. So this is to not benefit the more financially stable teams. The intention of the program is to offer Next Star players to all teams to find the right place for the player to develop and grow their game. Who are the current Next Stars in the NBL? So there's four of them at the moment. We have Didi Lazada, who is currently at Sydney Kings, who lit up the Wildcats. We got a pretty good look at him when we faced them earlier this season. Terry Armstrong, who is a four-star recruit out of high school, who's currently 
currently injured for Southeast Melbourne, so I'm looking forward to seeing him. RJ Hampton, the New Zealand breaker, and of course, world-renowned Lamelo Ball, so playing for the Illawarra Hawks. So we've heard a lot about him this season, which has been fantastic. So what has actually sparked this Next Stars program coming about? A number of things, really, but one of the key contributors is the success of Terence Ferguson who's of the OKC. So he spent the 16-17 season in the NBL with the Adelaide 36ers, and whilst the program had not formally begun then, he was the spark that lit the fire for this program. As Ferguson himself, whilst not formally part of the Next Star program, notable college eligible player to skip college in favour of the NBL and turn it into draft success. So being selected 21st overall in 2017 draft, he averaged, look, not great stats over his time at the 36ers. However, the scouts are more interested in learning about how well he trained, took direction, handled being a professional and how he fit into the organization himself and not to mention playing against men. And the program launched with Brian Bauer II being the first signing and he spent the 18-19 season with the Sydney Kings following his loss of his college eligibility. So he got caught up in an FBI investigation into basketball corruption which made him eligible for college despite early projections seeing him being a surefire nba draft pick he actually fell out of the draft and only days after the draft bowen actually secured a two-way contract with the indiana Pacers, and so this actually provided credibility to the nbl being a platform for you know launching nba careers and showing the ability for the nbl to produce nba caliber players Um, it was a different alternative route to the nba rather than going through the draft itself obviously and teams had enough footage of brian playing against grown men at sydney at this point to actually make a call on him but why did it actually get brought in so the nbl identified a gap in the market for young players who wish to progress their development get paid and remain a legitimate nba draft candidate so lots of talented players were not getting opportunities due to the ncaa's rulings of eligibility or they were just simply overlooked which happens a lot in sport all around the world so the nbl ceo and like i said now commissioner jeremy loliga has previously stated developing the next star program remains a key strategic objective for the league he also said we also see things like next stars being a value add to the NBA we really want to play a role in terms of helping guys transition from amateur basketball to professional basketball so that they're ready for what we all acknowledge as the biggest stage in the world in the NBA and along the way developing a fan base and a following for each of those players here in Australia and in doing so continuing to drive Australian interest in the NBA it's a very multifaceted relationship one that we greatly respect and are grateful for and one we'll continue to foster so as you can see there that's the that's a bit of an explanation from Jeremy himself as to why we have it in place. A bit of motivation behind the Next Star program there. I do see how he's pandering a little bit there to the NBA themselves, but I still see there's many benefits for the Australian League itself. So what's next in store for the for the programs? The NCAA is allowing college players to be compensated at this point. So the attractiveness of the Next Stars program may be fading slightly. But that being said, the league has already provided the ability to generate NBA level talent. And in its short tenure of the program, it's been extremely successful in doing so. Therefore, players now know, regardless if these eligibility rules come into place, that the NBL is a very viable option of getting to the NBA. And that might be one of the biggest factors in the success of this program and its and its longevity. In relation to this ruling about eligibility by the NCAA, allowing players to be compensated. So the Next Star program will be fine, we believe, and will continue to operate as a viable path for aspiring players. If Lamelo Ball does get selected number one overall, it won't be hard to imagine that some of the game's top prospects were considering a move down under before going to play in the NBA. I mean, we have a lovely, lovely country here, lovely, lovely part of the world in our backyard, and we're very lucky to have it. Lovely to share it with some some of these talents as well. The NBA will remain a viable pathway, as I previously said. It is unlikely that we'll see players like RJ Hampton selecting the NBA over college in the future if he can earn a genuine endorsement deal. However, players projected in the second round may still want to come to the NBA and find it attractive, both for financial benefits and from a developmental perspective.
perspective as well. As it was for Lamelo Ball, players with eligibility issues will always be looking for alternative options. Additionally to this, the NBL has pivoted to become a draft and stash option for Didi Lazada of the Sydney Kings, who was drafted 35th overall by the Atlanta Hawks on behalf of the Pelicans in this year's draft. The NBL will always welcome these types of players and has the flexibility to adapt as necessary. So in summary with this program, Jeremy Loliger introduced a platform for players to replicate Terrace Ferguson's path to the NBA. The number of players being selected from the league outside of the NBA is growing the number of draft ineligible candidates is growing. The NCAA has realized that it's leaking talents and introduced a rule on September 30. California Governor Gavin Newsom signed a Fair Pay to Play Act, which opens the door for college athletes in the states to collect money for endorsement deals without fearing of losing their NCAA eligibility or scholarships. So, for example, signing with Nike, Puma, Adidas, name it. The law, first proposed by Berkeley-based state senator Nancy Skinner, will also go into effect January 2023. So still a little bit of time away. That gives the NCAA and every other state in the US a three-year window to figure out how they'll respond. So this is not something that's going to be fixed quickly. This whole this whole issue over in the NCAA, it's a really slow-moving beast, as now the rest of the states have been given, as I said, this three-year's window. So expect the Next Star program to hoover up any ineligible players from college and prepare them for the NBA draft. This is a fantastic short-term solution from Low Liga and has already resulted in such success for the NBL. Lamelo himself has resulted in the iconic Slam magazine based in New York covering the Illawarra Hawks. The NBL has signed a streaming agreement with the 15 million daily user platform Twitch and there was a new TV agreement signed with ESPN as well. So that's all coming from Lamelo Ball joining this program coming to Australia and we're seeing the crowds increase and rise just an extraordinary amount. As an example, this week, round seven of the NBL itself saw the biggest crowd in NBL history with 17,514 people going to watch Sydney beat Lamelo and his Illawarra Hawks over in the Harbour City. And on top of this, for the league itself, just I'm talking more uh, looking across the league in general, not so much where the next stars are, round seven ended up topping 50,000, which made it the most attended six-game NBL round of all time. So as we can see there, these numbers, the stats coming in are actually really positive so we got to keep pushing this and we got to keep moving forward the next star program joe loliga and the nbl are just killing it at the moment we're seeing such an increase in exposure of our league and we're seeing australia get spoken about more and more through the media due to these players that it is actually becoming a viable option for players to come out and actually play out the league itself is great nine teams but the quality and the talent inside the league is fantastic it really does help these young guys mature and then get to a get to a position where they've played against enough men they've had to box out against enough big bodies they've had to play through a lot of tough screens they've had to you know take Damian Martin off the dribble and they're ready for the next step and whatever comes next so it's great preparation I love the next star program it's been fantastic I'm looking forward to see how it develops and what uh, what Jeremy does with it but let's uh, let's keep an eye out on it and look guys that's that's the pod for this week so thank you very much for listening in as always and and it's a bit of a longer one this week but hope you enjoyed thank you very much so let's go cats let's go get them <laughs>